Hi, everybody. This is Allison Post, and today we'll be mapping touch on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I've invited my dear friend, Allison Post, back to the table. Allison joined us in episode number 70 of the podcast to map breath. Allison Post is an integrative medicine health coach and somatic educator. She's taught courses in many modalities of massage, breath, and body work, and has helped thousands of adults and children with chronic illness, digestive discomfort, and physical challenges. She guides people through the transitions of pregnancy, birth, chronic stress, menopause, aging, grief and loss, and trauma arising from injury, surgery, and personal crisis. Allison's latest book, co-authored with her husband, is The Gut Wellness Guide, The Power of Breath, Touch, and Awareness to Reduce Stress, Aid Digestion, and Reclaim Whole Body Health. We mapped breath in episode 70, and today we'll be heading to touch for this very heartfelt episode. Allison, welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you. I'm just really happy to be here. Always happy to spend time with you. And I'm thrilled to talk about this topic, the topic of touch. So when you think about touch, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Oh, yummy. I mean, the word (laughs) yummy. Um, I love, (laughs) I love being touched. And I think it's really an underrated part of our world, especially now, because it seems to be a scary part of our world for many, many people. What a good point. Yeah, but touch is just so many things. Touches health, touches immunity, touches co-regulation. It's how we express ourselves socially, really. It's the glue, social glue. So there's just so much to it. When you say that, Allison, there's a number of things that come to mind that as clinicians, we need to be aware of. First, how fundamental it is to health and healing, and that we may have patients or clients who come to us who have issues with touch in their past, and we have to kind of bridge that barrier in how we're providing therapeutic care. So it makes me think about the antecedents and where touch exists. I also think about the languages of love and how high touch can be for people. And I know I've experienced this. I don't know where this falls, but with some people, I don't want to be touched. And with other people, I really want to be touched. And there's an interesting chemistry or something that happens there. And how are we in tune with that 
in a therapeutic relationship? As somebody who does a lot of touching, um, both in my personal life with my husband and my friends, because hugs and just social bonding, but also in my practice as a body worker, touch is really important because I work with craniosacral therapy and oriental body work and working with the belly. There's a safe environment that has to be created. People need to feel that they're being seen, heard, deeply listened to and understood before you can bridge into the touch because a lot of people, particularly people that come for body work, have nervous system problems. That's why they're here. They can't relax. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is because in development, they didn't have a lot of touch Mm -hmm. or they had inappropriate touch. I've been working for so many decades with psychotherapists in conjunction and collaboration with psychiatrists, with people who come from serious backgrounds of abuse. So touch for them, it could take me months to get to the touch. Hmm. I know that sounds crazy because I'm a body worker, but I've had people who I have them touch their own belly Hmm. and I talk with them about that and maybe then I'm able to put my hands on top of their hands or just practice touch before they'll feel safe enough with it. So there's such a huge spectrum of how we can approach it therapeutically. But of course, the nervous system in general, the social nervous system, we can touch people with our voices and they can feel safe from prosody. We can look at them in a kind way and when they see the welcoming in our face, it will start touching in You know, touch has a lot of varieties and our chemistry, our heartbeat, all the things that are happening within our body when we're with somebody, we can start to relax and allow the touch. Yeah, I mean, it's really just makes me think about the empathy we need to bring to each and every case. And what you're talking about is really touching. You know, it's really touching me to think about how touch is so connected to developmental progress, but also how it can thwart developmental progress in certain ways and really shape us. The way we're touched from the get-go has kind of a imprint on our entire future. Yeah. I mean, to the extent of that, if you're not touched, which we know from the cases in Romania, when there were orphanages where children were getting the proper nutrition, but they literally died from lack of touch because the immune system doesn't develop. Um, The chemistry of the body just cannot come online. The brain can't develop. So, I mean, to the extreme, we need touch to develop and we need skin to skin contact and bonding from the time that we come out in utero. I mean, even in utero, it's a development of being touched the way our environment is because the heartbeat of the infant, of the fetus is, you know, and the way the brain is developed has a lot to do with how their touch in utero is developing, even the feeling of the amniotic fluids and how things, how they're swallowing. And so it's really important that we understand that as pregnant people, we want to have that consciousness. But also the minute the baby comes out, the skin to skin, the touch, Mm -hmm 
allows the baby to feel safe. Right. And then as we continue, and I have to say, I have worked with countless children who were taken away from mama before that happened because there was an emergency. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are emergencies, there are seizure disorders, there are fevers, and the bonding doesn't happen. And then years later, the baby, the child, the two-year-old, the three-year-old isn't developing properly. And we need to kind of create an environment with the baby. I mean, I've done this literally with a child laying on top of mama and doing some holding and breathing and getting movement of restrictions in the system so that they can have that bonding moment they should have had at birth. And the whole life of the child changes as a result. It's a phenomenon. That's how important it is. This is the research we see with premature babies as well, like those who were born early used to be prevented from touch. And now touch is an important part of the therapeutic care. When you're talking, I'm thinking about my own experience, and especially in talking to you, Allison, because of your work (laughs) with Isamu. But when Gilbert was born, when my son was born at home, in San Francisco, I actually had to transfer to the hospital because the placenta didn't deliver. And we had Mm. two midwives and one went with me to the hospital and the other one insisted on staying home with Isamu and Gilbert spent his time on Isamu's chest, which in retrospect, I am so grateful that they had that time without me there to have that touch and that communication, especially since I couldn't be there. It was the appropriate thing to happen. It just makes me think about how important that moment in time is. Let's move away from kind of the story and where that has such an impact on our lives, touch appropriate or inappropriate on the developmental aspect to an area that I know you're passionate about and that you mentioned, which is gastrointestinal function. How does touch help that aspect of our healing? Oh, my goodness. Well, again, when we're developing as children, we are developing our sensory and emotional pathways. Mm. And so if there's not proper development, and we don't feel safe, and we're not touched, and we're not getting the right chemicals, you know, those beautiful oxytocin, the love chemicals, and instead, we're feeling hypervigilant, you know, the responses are that we have chronic digestion problems. And that Mm -hmm. happens to so many people. When I do an intake, just around people coming in, because they want to talk about their breath, their bellies and their body. So many people say, well, I can't remember when I wasn't constipated, or I can't remember when I felt good. Even when I was a little kid, I was throwing up all the time. I mean, Mm. so many reverberations from when and we kind of hold on to how it's been since development because nobody's recognizing it. A lot of people just think, well, kids have digestive problems, right? you know, and they're given medicine or they have infections, they're treated with antibiotics. And then, of course, the microbiota is in balance, the bacteria are in balance, and then we're going forward with imbalanced guts. Yeah. And that leads to all the problems of leaky guts and autoimmunity and all the things that we see later on as a result. Yeah. So it's crucial that we 
really get um, the digestion online through, again, loving touch, cuddling with your kid and reading to him or her. It's really, really important. And I watch it in my office. As people start to relax, they feel my very gentle hands on their belly or just holding them in their fluid. They start making the sounds of the rest and digest response. Mm. You can hear the gurgling. You can watch as the belly almost floats down and things just respond so beautifully because there's a connection, right? Touch is connectivity. It's knowing somebody's there to listen when we don't feel so good and then we can heal. Yeah, because we have a partner in healing. And we really do need that co-regulation very often to be able to self-regulate. I love that. And I I think just thinking about the way we touch ourselves in many ways, I know that when I'm teaching and when I used to teach people about their adrenals or their liver, like I always had people put their hands on their body, find that part of their body, Mm -hmm. understand what happening and where and that connection that you're talking about. You said you're very gentle, putting your very gentle hands on somebody's body. And that makes me want to ask you more about body work and particularly about cranial sacral work because of the connection with the nervous system. And I know it's one of my recommended go-to modalities in mm-hmm. working with people to have them bring that support to what I call the cradle, where we get the nervous system to relax. Can you talk about cranial sacral therapy and the way that touch has an implication in that care? The cranial sacral work, the cerebral spinal fluid bathes the nervous system. Mm. And very often there are restrictions in the system that are not being hydrated to just to start out with. There's an inflammation or there's all sorts of nerve endings that are just vibrating at a higher level. You can hear them. The minute you just lay your hands gently at the sacrum, or at the head, you can feel how the nervous system is because the nervous system comes out through the skin, you know, and Mm -hmm. beyond. It's Mm -hmm. electromagnetic. So just by a gentle touch, by listening deeply and by the person that works, this is what has to be important. I think I talked to you about this with breath is that the practitioner has to be grounded in their own body, comfortable with touch themselves, so that the connection is safe and the person starts to then relax. The breath slows down, the heartbeat slows down. And when that happens, the body begins to become more fluid and goes more into that parasympathetic stream of losing the hypervigilance and starting to heal whatever it is because the body has inherent health. You know, the practitioner can't make the body heal ever. They can just be there 
and guide the body and invite the body to hear itself. So even when I teach people how to do cranial on themselves, which I do, there are different holds that people can do or they can go home and work with their families. It's just a light touch because as you put too much pressure, you're not in that beautiful part of the nervous system anymore. You know, you're creating something instead of receiving something. And what we're really doing is listening, receiving so that the other people that we're working with can receive from us. It's like a co meditation. Yeah, it's a partnership. There's so much gold in what you just shared, Allison, even for those of us who aren't doing hands-on body work. It's still a process of touching, as you explained earlier, of the way we're looking or even hearing and engaging. Even when I'm working remotely, I am working to hear and hold that individual. Absolutely. And I think what you also said about the body's innate ability to heal, this takes us back to all ancient forms of healing where we as clinicians are truly the guides and we have to get out of our own way and come into our nervous system's place of relaxation to hold that opportunity for the people whose lives we're touching. I think there's a lot of mistakes that happen there and a lot of the techniques that you're talking about can ground us before we welcome a patient or a client into our fold. I'm wondering if there's one practice you can share with us as clinicians that might help us come into that receiving and holding place before we see clients or patients. Oh, yes. And it should happen really before each session and after each session, because you are creating a field where you're in sharing mode. Yes. And so beforehand, you need to dive deep into your own system. So, you know, I like to lay down. I'm not a, a sitter in meditation. I lay down And I feel my back and the weight of my muscles and the rise and fall of my breath. And I let everything slow down. I invite my breath to tell me what it's doing. I don't try to breathe. I want to really put out there that the least amount of effort that we make gets us into that parasympathetic stream, Mm -hmm. into that real grounded, earthy place where we can hear our own heartbeat and it can slow down. We can feel ourselves as a whole body and a whole system. So we can welcome people three-dimensionally, which is very important. We can feel them in very many different levels of the body, and we can see them, hear them, and touch into them as three-dimensional. Even three minutes, which I even teach new clients, how can you not get out of bed in the morning and just be with yourself and find out who you are? Just listening and inviting and being curious, not trying to make anything happen. So as a practitioner, it's very important, particularly if you're going to lay hands on people. But even when you're in an environment with them, I also work online and I guide people to feel themselves and to do the co-regulation, but I really need to be relaxed and grounded in order to provide that 
container for them. I love that. I have a funny mantra that I use with myself that's about that hold that the world, the universe has for me. And as a single mom and, you know, everything I had to hold, what I realized that at some point I just wanted the person who would say, I got that for you, babe. <laughs> so that's kind of my mantra in that those few minutes of knowing like everything's okay, the universe has a hold for me, is touching me, is that the Beautiful. universe has got that for me, babe. You know, like it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and it's I'm great. just so touched again by what you're talking about here and the wisdom you bring to your practice and the way that you guide us as practitioners. Thank you so much, Allison. It's my pleasure, Andrea. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, Carla Schaefer on sound production, Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready and waiting for you. You also have an open invitation to email us. I'd love to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15-Minute Matrix. You can always email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.